0: It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz
1: every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox.
0: This is the Fox News Rundown Extra. Elisa Brady. Elisa Brady. Forced out for speaking out. It's been a recurring theme in recent years, especially on political issues. But pandemic-related opinions can be costly as well. We spoke this past week with Jennifer Say, the now former global brand president for Levi's, who's been an outspoken critic of school closures, the mother of four even moving her own family from California to Colorado for in-person learning. Say says she resigned after rejecting a million dollar severance offer that included a non disclosure agreement. We wanted her take on the criticism she's faced, the company's reaction, and the broader challenges for businesses and employees navigating social issues. We made some edits for time and thought you might like to hear the whole thing. So thanks for listening. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to the weekday Fox News Rundown podcast. Now here's Jennifer Say on the Fox News Rundown Extra. All right. So I wanted to ask you first, why you decided to go public with your story?
1: That's a great question. Um, you know, I think fundamentally, this is a, a matter of free speech and the stifling of dissent, not just in, you know, my company, but in companies more broadly. And I would say in the culture at large is so dominant right now. And, you know, people can't express a point of view that is outside of whatever the accepted mainstream narrative is. And I find that incredibly dangerous. And so I felt it was important to be public about the story for that reason.
0: Now going public, um, in addition to ultimately leading to your resignation, um, really opened you up to a lot of criticism. Um, some now former coworkers, accuse you of being anti-science. What do you say to that?
1: I mean, I think it's patently absurd on its face. Um, you know, they I've been accused of that since the beginning of COVID. And, you know, I've been outspoken about school closures uh, being unnecessary and harmful since March 2020 and the accusation uh, both from employees but also just people in the world has been you know that that is an anti science perspective and that i don't care if kids are harmed um in schools so you know i i've gotten a little bit used to it because that's been um flung at me since march 2020 i think it's clear now and i think the you know i think the i just think it's very clear now that School closures were a mistake and children were, in fact, harmed. We see significant learning loss. We see kids suffering from depression and other psychological issues. We see kids dropping out. Um, so I think it's very clear that this was not the right decision and a decision very different than what other countries made. And, you know, European countries prioritize kids in school opening. So, yeah, I, I can live with that accusation because I, I reject it.
0: You've also been accused, though, of being racist, even though you have two black sons and you've pointed out that closing schools can cause the most harm to disadvantaged kids in public schools. What is it about the school debate that hits such a nerve?
1: Well, I think because, you know, fighting for open schools was outside of the dominant narrative, the dominant left wing narrative, really, and so you know i think hurling the term racist at someone is a way to shut down any debate and dissent because nobody wants to be accused of that that's a horrible accusation and i don't think it matters you know what my kids are um the fact is it's it's clear that you know at least where i lived at the time public schools in san francisco were predominantly children of color black and brown children and and disadvantaged children and so I think it's an absurd insult, and I think it's meant to stifle debate and shut down the conversation. It's not an honest intellectual engagement with the issues.
0: Several San Francisco school board members ended up facing a recall election over allegations that they put political considerations ahead of the children uh, with things like critical race theory or Time spent on trying to rename schools, you know, during the pandemic. Do you feel some vindication from that, from this recall
1: effort? Yeah, I mean, the recall—it's today. Um, though people have been voting for the last few months. Uh, my understanding, from you know the the people I still know in San Francisco, and there's a lot of them. Is I mean, I don't know a single person that isn't um, or hasn't voted for the recall. Um, You know, during the course of school shutdowns, I was calling into school board meetings. Um, They were very long. I often didn't get through them all. Um, But school closures or getting schools open was never discussed until the last half hour in a seven hour meeting. Um, So there was all this sort of navel gazing and dilly dallying around, you know, should we rename the schools? Should we um, let this? Guy beyond the you know parent advisory committee um while shaming him during the entire the entire session um is he you know an appropriate choice for this parent committee is he diverse enough um, you know this is a this is a gay dad with kids in the San Francisco public school system who would have been the only man and the only Uh, LGBT person on the board. Um, This is what they spent time doing. They were not focusing their efforts on getting the schools open. And I really can't imagine that anything would have been more urgent than that. And so I think uh, the recall is a response to that. that. That is what the recall is about. Pull up a chair and join me, Rachel Campos Duffy.
0: And me, former U.S. Congressman Sean Duffy, as we share our perspective on the discussions happening at kitchen tables across America.
1: Download from The Kitchen Table, The Duffy's at Foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you download podcasts.
0: Levi Strauss and company hasn't publicly denied your claim that you were forced out. Um, Their official statement just announces management changes and a search for a new brand president. Is this
1: the reaction that you expected from the company? I didn't really have any expectations. Um, I, I didn't know what their response would be, honestly. Um, I'm just sort of focused on you know telling my story of what happened and, and focused on what's next for me.
0: The company also hasn't confirmed uh, the $1 million severance you've said they offered to keep you quiet. How did it feel to have that in front of you? Was was it difficult even for a moment to say no?
1: Certainly, it's hard to say no to that. And I think they have confirmed it at this point um, as sort of the standard package for executives at my level. Um, it was very difficult. I mean, that's sort of a, you know, a pretty, that's security for, for me and my family. I certainly thought about it long and hard. Um, but at the end of the day, I couldn't do it. Um the issues are too important to me, and I think, like I said, it's incredibly dangerous what's happening this this stifling of speech and what's considered misinformation today is truth tomorrow, but we can't say it. Um, it's widely accepted, as I said, that school closures went on for far too long, long after we knew that kids were safe, long after you know teachers were vaccinated in San Francisco. Um, So that was considered misinformation in 2020 and even 21. And now it's accepted fact. So, but it never would have been accepted fact if people didn't talk about it. So you got to be able to debate these issues. And I just, I feel like it's an incredibly dangerous path we're on uh, culturally. And I think, you know, it's not just Levi's. They're sort of caught in the the center of the storm of it, but it's really um, happening so much more broadly than that. Just to play
0: devil's advocate for a moment, I mean, if a company is trying to have the biggest tent possible, in this case, to sell jeans, can you understand why maybe they don't want an employee to ruffle any feathers on political issues?
1: I understand that. But I would say this, Levi's does speak out on very controversial issues, um, issues that are political, and they've done so um, in ways that have actually, you know, been challenging from a business perspective. Um, in the in the early 90s, we we took a stand and, and stopped funding the Boy Scouts when the Boy Scouts said um, you couldn't be gay and be a scout leader. It absolutely impacted our business and we got thousands of letters. Um, and we've continued, you know, Levi's has continued to take stances that are often controversial, um, a stance around gun violence prevention, uh, civic engagement, which is really tied to voting, which is is less controversial, but LGBTq equality and so on and so you know this is not a company afraid of taking a taking a stand that is sometimes controversial and I would just point out that when I was posting politically about other subjects that were more in line with the the narrative, that was fine, and so it's not an issue of political speech. It's really an issue of viewpoint and viewpoint discrimination. There is not a policy that you cannot speak out on issues, um, political issues. And so that's what it comes down to. It's really about the viewpoint I expressed, not the fact that I expressed an opinion that I should add should not be political. I know it is, but, you know, believing kids should be in school. That really should be something everyone cares about.
0: I know you've, uh, you've kind of accused the company of being trapped trying to please the mob, um, and not being, you know, truly inclusive. Um, you had been the Levi's president since 2020, but with the brand for 20 years. Is this something you feel that changed during the pandemic?
1: I think it intensified during the pandemic. I mean, there's definitely a viewpoint and one that I, you know, mostly aligned with up until very recently. It's definitely left-leaning. It's a San Francisco company, progressive in its its policies, which I I support. They were the first Fortune 500 company to offer same-sex partner benefits. I feel I always felt quite, quite proud of that. But, you know, the world has changed, and there's just so much less tolerance for any varying of viewpoints, um, for any veering from the orthodoxy. And, and so, yeah, I think it's, I think it's changed. I, I think what I just struggle with is the issue of children in schools to me should not be controversial. And as we all know, it has been for the last two years. And I just feel like that's where we've gone wrong.
0: Yeah. When, when companies do try to cater to public opinion, do you think the pressure is always from the outside and social media, or are younger workers, um, you know, kind of a new generation forcing their employers to take certain positions?
1: Oh, absolutely. It comes from internally, you know, and I, it it absolutely comes from employees. And a lot of the backlash I got was from um, employees internally sending emails to the CEO. Um, They were seeing some of the response on social media that I was getting some of the backlash there. And, and were in agreement with those who were pushing back on my views, and definitely conveyed that internally, whether it was through emails um, or even public but anonymous comments in you know in our town halls about my anti-science views. Um, and so, yeah, I think I, I would weight it towards the employee pressure, honestly, um, but certainly the external, I'll call it noise, was you know unhelpful to me as well.
0: Has this all been worth it, for for lack of a better way to put it? I mean, walking away from a job that was really a career path, um, uprooting your family, um, it it sounds like you've sacrificed a lot to make a point.
1: I seem to have. I seem to have, yes. Uh, Has it been worth it? I mean, moving to Denver was worth it. It was very difficult. I'd lived in San Francisco for over 30 years, and I really loved that city. And I have a ton of friends there and so much history. Um, But we've adjusted here, and we do love it here. Um, As for whether the rest of it's worth it, you know, it's all new. So it it sort of remains to be seen. But I think I don't feel like I had a choice. I just couldn't. I couldn't do it. I, I, you know, I was asked repeatedly over the last two years, to, you know, tone it down, pull back. And I found myself not doing it. It was like this, um, I just didn't, I I couldn't do it. I just kept thinking about the kids and all the kids that were being harmed. And so, um, it almost didn't feel like a choice to me. It just felt like something I needed to do. Um, and as the speech issues became more dominant, in these conversations, you know, that added fuel to the fire for me, because I believe so strongly uh, in in free speech being a key pillar of democracy. And I, you know, this tiny little microcosm of one company uh, in one city was making that impossible. And I, you know, I would say I've heard from so many former employees and even current saying they've felt the same way. And so I do feel it helps them feel that they can speak out, you know, not just inside the company, but in the world, you know, that said what people are afraid of when they speak out is this, you know, (laughs) that they won't have a place to work because you do essentially um, you almost become unemployable in a sense when, when these, you know, these terms are attached to you, anti-science racist, who wants to hire you. So people are afraid for a, for a reason Um, you may end up without a job. But if enough people do it, that can't be the way forward. You know, we're going to have to allow for dissent and varying viewpoints. And so I think it's important to stand up and have the courage in that. And hopefully it helps other people do the same.
0: What is next for you now?
1: Well, I'm sort of figuring (laughs) that out. You know, this is all very new. Um, I do want to write a book. Um, I wrote a book in 2008, which was a memoir about my time in gymnastics and the abusive coaching practices. I'd like to write another one about, you know, using one's voice and finding the wherewithal to do that because it is a lifelong journey. I've had to learn the lesson again and again as to how to do it and how to kind of find the courage to do it. So that's one thing I want to write a book. And I just started my own production company. I I made a film. I produced a film uh, that came out in 2020 called athlete day about, again, about the abuses in the sport of gymnastics, especially, um, you know, the story around Larry Nassar, the USA gymnastics doctor who sexually abused hundreds of young athletes. And I, um, it got a great response. We won an Emmy and I am going to make my own films now. So figuring out what those are, but I did just uh, start my own production company up. So those are my two areas of focus.
0: Sounds like plenty to focus on. <laughs> so uh, we certainly wish you luck in, in those endeavors. And thank you again for your time, Jennifer Say, former global brand president for Levi's and and author. Thank you again. Thank you for having me.
1: You've been listening to the Fox News Rundown. Rundown. Stay up to date by subscribing to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. And for up-to-the-minute news, go to foxnews.com. The Will Cain Show is now dropping five episodes a week. Join Fox & Friends weekend host Will Cain as he tackles the latest headlines from his unique perspective, along with thought-provoking interviews with leading figures and live calls from viewers and listeners. Listen wherever you download your favorite podcasts.